0: Hey, everybody, it's the Roast Battle League Commissioner, Pat Barker. And before we get to this week's episode, and we have a great one, I want to tell everybody who is in or around the Bay Area, if you are anywhere near Northern California, you are going to want to be at the Sacramento Punchline on August 11th. It's coming up real soon. Paige Wesley, Roast Battle Hall of Famer from L.A., traveling up there to take on one of their best up-and-coming battlers. Morgan Anderson is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Check out verbalviolence.com. Follow us on on Instagram, at Roast Battle, for more details, and you're not going to want to miss this one. If you're up there, you got to check this out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to RBL Weekly, the show where we review the highlights of the week in the Roast Battle League. I am the RBL Commissioner. My name is Pat Barker, and I'm joined by a different co-host this week. If you were with us last week, you saw Sarah Keller. She will be my normal co-host. Uh, she was otherwise occupied this week, so who better to fill in then a legend, a Hall of Fame roast battler, uh, one of my toughest opponents, Paige Wesley. How's it Hi. going, Paige? thank
1: you. I killed Sarah, Highlander style, because there can be only one host, so what's up?
0: <laughs> I love that. Uh, since she's not here, I will say I already think you're a better co-host than she is. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You are that.
0: crushing it right now. Awesome. <laughs> uh, no, who better to have than somebody who's been in the trenches, who's done 30-some battles at this point? Yeah face all different kinds of opponents and we're going to be checking out footage from all over the world today. Are you excited?
1: I'm super excited. I'm really excited especially to see the international ones. It's going to be great.
0: We have, yeah, after last week we did not feature any international battles. This week uh, we've got something that I think you're really going to enjoy. But first we will start stateside. Last week's winner, the first city to post a number one overall battle, comes in at number five this week. Chicago, who has been crushing it. They make the list again this week. Uh, We're going to be checking out a recent battle of theirs. This is Jessica Misra versus Tito Sid.
1: Nice. I'm excited. Let's watch it. Let's check it out. Okay. uh, Tito says he's liberal, but those fingerless gloves scream, I don't vote.
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: I do. <laughs> <laughs> y'all don't like how I vote,
2: fuck y'all.
1: <laughs> Tito's Instagram bio says that he's a passionate person, being human, who loves traveling the world. His Instagram bio is a white woman's dating profile. <laughs> he's a white woman trapped in a drug dealer's outfit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jessica dresses like every day is laundry day. In fact, you look like a free couch on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, Tito dresses <laughs> uh,
1: Tito dresses like an aspiring DJ. <laughs>
2: of sweaters and blazers and loose t-shirts. In fact, her comedy matches her style because she's a nobody with nobody.
1: Um, uh, Tito's a lot like Tito's vodka. College girls think it's good because they don't know better. <laughs>
0: Wow, so we kick off uh, the countdown this week with another heater from Chicago. Amazing. And uh, what I love about this is every week I feel like we're introduced to new people that we, we haven't seen yeah. before, different styles. What were your thoughts on that fight? Uh,
1: f- out the gate, and, and this is a personal pet peeve, phones on the stage, mm. I hate it. Mm. If, if you wanna do, if you're a roast battler and you wanna do one thing to make you look amazing, don't have your phone. Like it's an instant upgrade. That said, I think Jessica really nailed something that Tito struggled with. And for Tito, it was making jokes about appearance, but also making slut jokes and having them be incongruous. So if you're gonna hit the slut angle, you can't then turn around and call somebody frumpy because the implication is that they then wouldn't be laid because they look like a couch on the sidewalk. Right. So pick a lane. Whereas she stayed in that lane. He looks like a, you know, aspiring DJ. He's wearing a drug dealer's outfit. You've got a noun after his name in your phone, bus. Bus, She like pigeonholed him so perfectly. And he was a little more all over the place. And you do want to be diverse in your joke writing but you have to be diverse and paint a picture of someone that the audience can get behind because then you can build on it. And if you're inconsistent, it confuses the audience a little bit, at least in my experience.
0: I think that's true. I will say he kind of did his part as a target by yeah. painting the picture before she even had to say anything. Yep. Like, when you look up there and there's a guy with fingerless gloves on.
1: Oh, my Lord, why is he wearing fingerless gloves? And, and,
0: you know, the Big J Oakerson uh, influence continues I mean, to this day.
1: Big J pulls it off, and he's the last person to pull off fingerless gloves uh-huh. since racing in the 1940s. Like, no one should be What about be Dice? Wearing- I I don't like a dice puller. Sure, but he also had the jacket. Like, if you're going to go fingerless gloves, you got to go whole hog. You can't go fingerless gloves and then Havana shirt. Like, what are you
0: doing? (laughs) Right, right, right. Let me ask you this because I agree with everything you said from a joke writing perspective. Sure. Um, And uh, bonus points for use of the word incongruous. Oh, thank you. Uh, I did not expect to hear that on the podcast. Um, What about from a presentation standpoint? in terms of likability. Because the thing that jumped out at me uh, about Tito is that he was very loud. Yes. uh, Which contrasted with her delivery where she was like way more laid back. She came across as more likable. Mm -hmm. But I think for Tito, there's something to the effect of he, he's almost like a character. Yes. You come up a little bit in costume and we see that a little bit in LA with one of our favorites, uh, Los Digits. Yes. Who very much is playing a character. I'm not sure if he's aware of it, but, but he is. So when he is a little more aggressive towards women, sometimes it's a little more palatable because you feel like, oh, that's not really him. He's kind of playing a character. He kind of walked that line. Tito did. He I
1: walked that line. I feel like he didn't go far enough into being a character to make people accept it. I think a perfect example of this is I th- someone I think we're going to see later. I don't know if I can spoil that. Uh, but Lou Miziano Sure. Who leans far full into a character, and will say horrifying things that just walking around in regular clothes as a regular guy, the audience would turn on you. Immediately. And you really have to kind of walk that line. And you also have to be, one of the biggest tools in your arsenal roasting is knowing who you are, Mm -hmm. and knowing what the audience is going to think of you right off the bat because that gives you some insight into a what kind of jokes people are going to tell about you but also ways that you can challenge those jokes now jessica jennifer jessica 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 yeah. thank you jessica almost like unlike she almost messed up her own likability at one point when she disagreed with his slut jokes because yeah, yeah. that is always a, a like a challenge. If somebody says something about you, you've got a couple options. You can disagree with it, but you better have a joke to come back about it.
0: Yeah, just fact checking the jokes. Fact-checking oftentimes the Oftentimes kills kills the room. It does.
1: It, you're almost better off yes anding a joke mm-hmm. than fact checking it. Um, and I think in part she was noticing the incongruity of his jokes and was reacting to that. But if I were her, I would have not addressed it
0: yeah but otherwise yeah. look i mean we're, we're splitting hairs at this point oh, otherwise sure. pretty much a flawless performance from her
1: fantastic
0: um yeah. i've been I, I said it last week I continue to be impressed by chicago with the joke writing uh of course last week we watched grace leishman the champion over there um and then today between these two uh great way to kick off so good uh, this week's countdown and now we're going to move west uh, and this is going to be the debut clip for the first time from Roast Battle Bay Area, which happens uh, in right around your hometown. Right You're around a my Bay Area hometown. product.
1: I'm a Bay Area native, yeah.
0: The Bay Area, they run in a bunch of different venues, uh, primarily out of Sacramento. This was their first event in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club, and we did, San, we did a Bay Area versus LA. Part two. Now, a couple months ago, they sent down some of their best from the Bay down to the Comedy Store, and they actually edged us out. Three oh, they to two. cleaned up. I, when that they might came be strong. That might be strong. I mean, they did well, sure. But we had to get revenge, so we went back up. I was actually judging this one, um, and uh, it, very fun show. But the battle we are going to highlight uh, had something that we've never seen, at least to this degree before. I know you have yet to see it. I've yet to see it.
1: I got to proof the jokes before it happened, which, peek behind the curtain, if you're roast battling regularly, you have people that you trust to like send your jokes to and be like, do these sound good? And I got these jokes ahead of time uh, and was very upset that I couldn't see the battle after reading those jokes. So I'm actually really excited to see this it now. Was, uh,
0: this was kind of magic. This is uh, LA's Toby Mirashanu, former belly room champion, heading up to the Bay, heading up to San Francisco to take on one of their best, Logan Farr. Let's check it out.
2: One more time for Logan and Toby! Yeah. You look like you work at an artisanal meth lab.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Britain's favorite spy, on Autism Powers.
2: Uh. Toby's so proud his wife is double vaxxed and boosted. That's not surprising, <laughs> this is not the first time he's let three separate men stick it in her. <laughs> Uh, logan used to have a body for football and now he has a body for foosball (laughs) (laughs) but hold on hold on i I, I have a little story to tell Shit. Logan loves conspiracy theories, and uh, honestly, I, I've never been one for them, you know? But sometimes I think maybe I'm not open-minded enough. <laughs> but then as he started telling me a story about his accident, <laughs> <laughs> so something seemed awkward a little bit. Yeah. This is what happened, according to the official narrative. Logan gets home from a deployment, he wanders off from a bar, trips on train tracks, knocks himself unconscious, like you do, Just as we are laying on the track, no one notices that he has wandered off until a train comes over and severs his feet clearly off. And Logan remembers absolutely nothing about the entire day. Oh shit. Even if you Google it on his podcast, he will say no one knows exactly what happened that day. So I had to know more. I decided to do what Logan would do, and I did my own research. I started filming But it was weird. You would think that a small town having an accident, like a freight train running over someone and severing the feet would make a little newspaper, but there were no results. Almost as if it had been scrubbed from the internet. But that's neither here nor there until
0: I decide to do the next step
2: and follow the money. Logan is a semi-professional comedian and jujitsu athlete. Not very lucrative occupations in general. Yet Logan has been able to secure sponsorships, he does seminar coaching, he takes donations, he even has it be his entire brand that he is a jujitsu fighter with no feet so interesting okay okay but you know still i'm not jumping to any conclusions i'm not convinced then i noticed something else this is the map of where logan's accident happens and you'll notice that it has a direct train line to santa fe new mexico who lives in santa fe new mexico <laughs> has a ranch in Santa Fe in Mexico, right? And you might remember his plane, the Lolita Express. Express, weird name for a plane, logical name for a train. Express train. Oh my God. So, uh, this is just a summary of what we've covered so far. Um, and maybe you're thinking, this doesn't make any sense, is Logan really part of some perverse, fucked up sex cult? Like, is he's not even Jeffrey Epstein's type. Or is it? of his oh, is, of course, his feet. <laughs> his feet. The most lucrative thing <laughs> that you can tell <laughs> <of> the Oh my God. So what am I saying? Am I saying that, you know, (laughs) Logan having gotten out of the military, (laughs) few career (laughs) options, a dream of doing semi-pro Jiu Jitsu and comedy, (laughs) but no real revenue source, dreams of being a a nude model, and he gets he gets an offer. So ridiculous, yeah. To sever his feet (laughs) and give them to a sick fucked up billionaire. Is there a billionaire like that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Connect the dots, people I'm not saying that he sold his feet to Jeffrey Epstein So that Jeffrey Epstein could have reached the most perverse levels And, uh, you know, jerk off on his feet uh, As he took him out of the freezer or whatever I'm just asking questions But this is not over <laughs> 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 Follow youtube.com slash bloggingfrog She tweeted me at hashtag shoe and
0: wow wow um so you might have seen me at the end of the judging table i was i was a couple coronas deep and uh that connected with me like few jokes i've ever heard um wow i mean uh you know one of the things i love about the show we see different styles we see different approaches that is something and we we've seen things sort of in that vein before the longer joke multiple punchlines, but maybe never quite to that degree
1: no and and toby did send me this ahead of time to be like i'm thinking of doing a slide presentation and if you are not familiar with toby's work toby never deviates no never toby just stays in the pocket and tells jokes and is almost unbeatable that way because he's such an amazing joke writer And for him to think about branching out in this way was very out of character. And it's risky because like every everyone gets tired of just telling jokes and wants to do something different. And everyone entertains the idea, I think, from time to time. Um, I'd never heard that from Toby. And so what I told him when he sent it to me was. I understand that this could be a risk and it could go badly, but I need you to do this. Yeah. Like, Thank I've you. never seen you doing this. Like, please do this. So I was so happy to see that it actually, he did it and that it went as well as it did. Shoein on is an amazing, amazing hashtag. I also, it was perfect going against a guy who made a shocking amount of Holocaust jokes for someone who probably doesn't think it happened. So... <laughs> perfect it was the perfect time and place for that joke which i think is the fine line you have to walk when you take a risk like that
0: well and see that's kind of what i wanted to get into you alluded to it a minute ago when you said something to the effect of um you know it's not something usually does and we all Mm -hmm. entertain these thoughts what i found as i go over the 40 battle mark Mm -hmm. is you get bored yeah and boredom necessitates risks yes because you're like if i just keep getting up there and doing this thing that i know works right um, Where's the fun in that? Yeah. So after a while, you start writing for yourself. You start writing to challenge yourself. Whereas mm-hmm. somebody like Logan, Logan strikes me as very much like, like I was my first few battles, which is you're not writing with the intention of how can I challenge myself? How can I say something that I find funny? Right. How will I go into a roast and make the audience either laugh or perhaps worse, gasp? I couldn't
1: believe that he did okay, for the amount of times he called Toby Autistic and then mentioned the vaccine and didn't make a vaccine autism joke, it's real right missed there. opportunity. Real for missed sure, opportunity. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um but I think that's the difference in the approach where you're newer and you're like, What will what is a good roast joke?
1: Right. And to be honest, he should have gone with like uh, Toby's wife is double vaxxed and boosted And Toby has had like I don't know 17,000 vaccines Like some crazy number to emphasize The autism but like It's yeah it, I, He doesn't have 30 battles under his belt Sure that's that's the difference you know Like Toby has battled almost probably more than anyone yeah definitely sure. yeah. more than me
0: you know I, I will i will say on the car ride to the venue because we rented a van mm-hmm. uh, or a, like an suv and we're heading over and i'm in the front uh, i'm driving and toby is right next to me and i see him running his jokes just silently with different hand motions. (laughs) To try and look human? (laughs) Right, but no, because he's running through this entire presentation, presentation, but I didn't know that. I'm used to Toby having these one-liners, right? and it almost seemed like a a guy who's new to rapping, and he's like perfecting his like rap hands. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah, exactly, like I'm gonna do this here, and then I'm gonna go over the top for this one. And, And I even asked him, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like you practicing specific hand motions for like one-liner jokes and I had no idea what we were what we were in for. So enormous risk ended up paying off toby took the battle um not the last we'll see of logan farr he is heading back down to la and hopefully as he gets more battles under his belt he'll he'll start to realize that the funniest possible thing you could do is write stuff that you find funny yeah not try to cater to the roast battle crowd because we've all been there we've all been there it's something that you definitely learn
1: there's also an element of you can take risks in a lot of different ways in a roast battle. I think one that I've been exploring recently is just wearing the craziest shit that I want to wear. I don't care if it's going to make it easier for people to tell jokes. If I'm happy in it, if I'm loving being in that moment, looking that way. Like I wore earrings to the last battle that said thick bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Because I loved them. And that just made it more fun. And when I'm having fun, battles are better. And I think that's true of almost everyone. It's like when you lean into who you are and have fun with it and tell jokes that you love, it only elevates battles.
0: You know, this is usually the part where I look for a segue into uh, introducing our next battle. You have Mm -hmm. set it up for me better than I possibly could. You want to talk (laughs) about two people who are comfortable in their own skin, uh, who are owning who they are, Uh, that's what we're about to see. We're going to head down the five into L.A. This is a battle from the belly room this past week. I know you haven't seen it. You're very excited. I haven't seen it. I'm Uh, very excited. This is, I believe, the first time we've ever done this, an all-drag queen battle. See, here's the thing.
1: I think we may have done it, in the past but i don't remember i know we've had drag queens battling people out of drag i don't oh, sure. know if we've ever had drag on drag violence the,
0: i think this is the first drag on drag violence that we have <laughs> ever had and uh this one got heated in a hurry this is ponderosa flabbergast uh, versus gg debussy uh, great names great uh, names <laughs> I don't even have anything else. Let's just watch this.
2: On the weekend of man, we have Jamar Neighbors and his Gafftube. Oh, uh, what? Okay, all uh, right. Get a. Uh, oh, no, that's from WWE. All right, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, Make some
0: noise for flabbergastric bypass.
2: <laughs>
0: Flabbergast got kicked out of high school for eating the lunch, lady. <laughs> You are what you're You know, I may be fat, but the only thing thinner than QG the waistline is her T-cell count. The th- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jabba the slut. <laughs> Bitch, why are you built like an above-ground pool? QG <laughs> and I are both cross-dressers. I'm a man dressed as a woman. She's Malibu's most wanted dressed as Caitlyn Jenner. Thank you, John. Good men died cramming you into that outfit. Wow. I'm to see another one. That was kind out. I love this shit. So Ponderosa Flabriest. Yes. Gigi Debussy. Yes. I'm going to be very honest up front here. I am not familiar with drag culture. I believe that you are very
1: yes, 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 yes. Take it away. Okay, so this battle is the perfect example of the ways in which drag culture and roast battle have a Venn diagram that converges in the middle and ways that they don't. Because if you go to a drag show and specifically like a drag brunch or even a drag roast because they do have drag roasts you will see that it is a rowdy crowd, it's a drunk crowd, and as a performer on stage, you don't survive unless you have optimal crowd work skills. Like, you have to be a crowd work beast to survive a drag race show, or just drag show, not just drag race, but. Um, Now, on the flip side, a lot of people think that that's what Roast Battle is, but Roast Battle is actually a blending of writing good jokes ahead of time and having a joke writing skill set and then blending that with being in the moment and being quick enough in the moment to seize rebuttals where you can if you haven't already pre-written them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why when we look at this battle in the beginning, tackling Rich as one of the judges, she gains ground because he is not ready for how fast she is going to be. But then when we get to the actual battle, the joke writing, the actual written jokes are not as dynamic as some of the crowd work jokes. Yeah. But I would say that's one of those skill sets where the longer you battle and the more you battle, you'd build that second skill and then you'd be fucking unstoppable. So it's always tricky when you see people who come to roast battle with a great crowd work skill set and it's always a question as to whether or not they're going to build out their joke writing on top of that Mm -hmm. to really become a fucking powerhouse
0: for sure and there were glimpses of the the, the joke writing you look like an above ground pool is one of the funniest observations i've ever heard that is one
1: of the funniest things i've ever heard however i will say ponderosa's Mm -hmm. i think it's her second joke uh, doesn't get the respect it deserves in that room. It's a very well-written joke. It's a very funny joke where she says the only thing thinner than her waistline is her T-cell count. Yes. Yeah. Which is implying that she's HIV positive. <laughs> like, but that's a room that maybe isn't as familiar and doesn't understand. Whereas if you told that at a drag roast, that would have fucking
0: destroyed. Well, it kind of touches on a few things we've talked about before, likability, and yeah. and how vicious your jokes get. I mean, we saw it in the last battle with the Holocaust references, when Gigi at that point has established herself as extraordinarily likable. So right. when you come off with a, a vicious joke, like a T cell count, maybe it doesn't hit the way it would have had Gigi not stolen the room. Now let's talk about that let's strategic decision first. When it comes to fucking with the judges, yep. what is your stance? Because I've always been a guy, when when I am not telling my roast jokes, I hand the microphone to the host. I get the hell out of the way. I don't mm. like going back and forth. It hurts me more than it helps. What are your thoughts on it?
1: It is risky. Um, and y- there's a couple ways you can play it, where you can go after a judge the way that Gigi did. And if you do it, if you manage to get the upper hand on that judge, it only helps you. That will win you a battle, even if you lose the battle after doing it. Or conversely, you could lose a battle and then take a judge down and win people back over. Sure. I think of the classic Doug versus Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah. Like, that is unreal. The crowd reaction to it is, I mean, the belly room shook. Yeah. So like, it has advantages if you choose to do it. Um, I shy away from it often as well. Usually what I will choose to do is yes and the judges and agree with them even when they say mean things. Because then it does boost your likability because people are like, oh, they can laugh at themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a joke that you can like shoehorn in there, you can, but also it's also not a bad idea to not do it, especially if you've won a battle. Like if you have decisively oh, yeah. won, just stay quiet and take the win.
0: There is a point if you're if you're up by seventeen and there's three minutes left, yep. you run the football. Yes, you yeah. you kill the clock. You do not do anything risky or dumb. Yeah. Uh, if if your goal is to win the battle, some people don't give a fuck about that. Their goal is to just get as many jokes in as possible. At the expense of whoever's in the room. So yeah, I, I, I see it from both angles. And if you're new to Roast Battle, what Paige is alluding to is that when Tony Hinchcliffe lived in L.A., he was a very frequent judge on our show, and also very frequent was the amount of times that comedians dunked on Tony. And oh, it worked yeah. every time. Every time. So it helps if you are a judge that is very unlikable. Uh, shout out to Rich Voss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not my opinion, just clearly the opinion of the crowd, uh, but... What what an entertaining battle. What what a remarkable departure from what we usually get in roast battle, over the top theatrical, but now let's rein it in. Yeah. Let's go back to the roots of roast battle, boring white guys. Let's sure. It's what the show was founded on. <laughs> uh it's what the show we will forever the the cornerstone of the show. I, I like that we were like, we else.
1: founded it on Boring White Guys, and everyone who's done the dozens is like, how dare you?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I'm talking about this, this very specific offshoot of the dozens, which uh, clearly we did not originate the right. art of insulting one another. Please don't cancel me. I'm talking about this show, Boring White Guys, we kind of ran the town for a little bit. Uh, and over across the pond, as they say... We are still in high demand. Boring white guys are still killing it over there. Yep. Which brings us to the number two battle this week. This is the first appearance from our London division. Uh, This was an outstanding battle that we saw from England recently uh, between Joe Bingham and Ken Grinnell i didn't know either of these gentlemen uh but i watched the battle earlier today i was very impressed it's going to be your first time it's my it. first
1: time and those are some of the whitest names i've ever heard from joe, a country that's just been breeding chins out of people for hundreds of years
0: joe versus ken uh i think you're gonna like it let's take a look at it nice so uh
3: joe is an only child which is weird because he's come dressed in his little brother's jeans <laughs> Um, Ken has a joke in his set about being half Irish, half Jamaican, but turned out, looking Chinese. <laughs> yeah. I reckon, in hindsight, his dad wishes his mum was Chinese, because then she might have backed the abortion that he suggested. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's true. My, uh, yeah, so my dad, yeah, it's true, my dad had, uh, had a lot of kids, and, but he still made the effort. Whereas Joe is an only child, and his dad still left uh, when he was a kid. Also, uh, he uh, he had a partner who left him and married a woman. That's true. Uh, this roast battle is the longest anyone's been in Joe's life. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, obviously I was just joking about the abortion thing, as Ken mentioned, um, his dad has 18 kids. Um, which means that when Ken refers to other people as bro in London, he's just hedging his bets. You haven't seen your dad in all these years. He could have 18 kids as well. You don't know, Joe. Um, and your daddy? <laughs> Um, one of Ken's other facts, uh, was that he used to box. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it, so I assume what he meant is that his dad used to hotbox the car while he was in the <laughs> basement. <laughs> I bet you do a lot of imagining what dads do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, vicious. Vicious. Vicious uh, in the UK. Vicious, a lot of dad talk. Uh, a lot, well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. watching that battle, because I, I love sort of the strategy of these things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think we've all kind of been there. Certainly, you've been on the receiving end of it. Oh, where absolutely. An opponent has five jokes, mm-hmm. and they pick one topic. One lane. And they stick there. And I have seen it work, and I have seen it not work. and yep. that that was one of the most effective ways I've seen it done.
1: yes, that's one of the that's one of the ways I've seen it actually work. another way. I don't know if you show you've shown this battle on this show, but uh, Ashley Johnson versus Doug Fager at Madame Siam mm. was another one that kind of was in that same lane. But I think it's really interesting to bring this battle up because I feel like you and I were on opposite ends of this at South by Southwest
0: this past year. That's uh, a very astute observation. Yeah. You Go ahead. Explain.
1: Sure. Uh, so you uh, had a battle uh, the day before mine mm-hmm. where your opponent chose to make five jokes in a row about a miscarriage that you and and your wife experienced. Yes, correct. Uh, and you similarly had planned a similar strategy where you had made five Asian jokes in a row and the crowd chose one lane. They sure <laughs> did. And it wasn't the one was I was not, driving in. It was not that one, um, which is always interesting because you never know where a crowd's going to be. And it's always tough sure. when a crowd just definitively picks somebody and goes in that Direction. It's bizarre.
0: Look, I don't want to bring up my own stuff on the podcast uh, too often because sure. we're focused on, on these guys. But it is an interesting juxtaposition. And in, in that case, and the way I justified it to myself, because as a writer, I hold myself to a standard as well. And I'm like, you know, my opponent was uh, Vietnamese. Right. And I thought it would be a funny angle. And you did would, have five different Asian jokes. If I was as over the top ignorant as possible. Right. To the point where the first joke, he's Korean. Right. And then I acknowledge he's actually Vietnamese, but I don't care. And then next joke, he's Chinese. Yeah, he's from Taiwan. Taiwan Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was so silly that there's no possible way that they could have taken it seriously and seen hate in my heart. But they did
1: there. They did. That was not a silly crowd. They thought Uh, that it was.
0: But here's if in a nutshell. Okay, I can accept that. Yeah. This is a kind of crowd that it does not appreciate, you know, mean. Right. And they perceived what I was doing as mean, but... But, but then they didn't think the miscarriage jokes he were He did mean? five miscarriage jokes, and they practically carried him out on their sh- on their shoulders, the like last... Don Shulo when he won the fucking Super. It was wild. The last
1: one got a standing ovation, if I remember correctly. And I was
0: getting, li- like, literally booed. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for sure, that is a risk you run when you hit one note definitively. And with the miscarriage thing, I battled other people who have done the same thing, and yes. it has not been as effective.
1: Uh, yeah, Eli Sayers, I think, notably sure. on TV, where... it was considerably less effective. Now, the very next night at South By, I went up against Dan Nolan, who told five different jokes about my tits, which made me laugh hysterically and worked for three jokes. Yeah, Like, you really run the risk of how long is the audience going to go along with you? Mm -hmm. And there is a breaking point where even if the jokes are good, you may lose them along the way because they want variety, and that's a risk you run whenever you plan a ton of jokes about one thing. In my battle experience, uh, there have been many, many people who have gone five fat jokes in a row and lost because of it. So, It really depends on who your opponent is if you think you can craft jokes like that. Sure. I think one of the most successful was Nicole Buchanan versus Greg Roquet, where she did five jokes in a row without talking about his wheelchair. But every single joke was a misdirection where you were like, she's going to mention the wheelchair. And then she didn't for five straight jokes and it crushed it destroyed
0: now look when you come up with a theme like that obviously there's there's skill involved all this strategy there is skill involved sometimes it works sometimes it backfires yeah but sometimes there's also a little bit of luck i want to pull it back to this battle and i want to talk about how ken intended to go in with nothing but father jokes right and then joe had a very funny joke about boxing and his dad hot boxing in the car And he ended up unknowingly. On the flip side. Walking directly into the trap that Ken had laid. Yes. And he, Ken has done all these jokes about how you have no father, and then you do a joke involving his father. It is almost like you're on a breakaway, and all the defenders fall down, and yep. you just have the end zone in front of you. And then Ken, you saw you saw the wheels turning, and he came up with. I uh, will bet you spend a lot of time wondering what fathers do. Yep. Um, just chef's kiss to be in the moment, beautiful, and, and to to add that on to what you're already doing. Uh, just a masterclass in writing, roasting, uh, being in the moment, having those rebuttals ready to go. A very strong debut effort from uh, from London here on RBL Weekly. Uh, but it's time for the number one battle. This is I our know. second episode. Last week, Chicago took home the top spot. This week, we travel east. We head to the to the Mecca. We head to New York City. Uh, they have been putting on roast battles almost as long as we have in LA. Yeah. Uh, their their newest iteration of roast battle runs uh, bi-weekly at the New York Comedy Club. And the main event... Over this past week featured one of their most experienced battlers going up against one of L.A.'s, uh, you know, uh, heroes from the past. Yeah. Um, Lou Miziano, originally from the East Coast, moved out to L.A., lived here for a few years, made quite a name for himself in the belly room. Now he's back on the East Coast. This was his New York debut. And he found out very quickly. It's it's kind of a different audience than you have here in L.A.
1: Yeah, it's a different audience. I've beat Lou twice in overtime both times. Uh, and so he is a challenging, talented battler. But... What works in one place doesn't always work in others. Can I just
0: make a note that when you're talking about somebody you've beaten, you're very quick to include their name, but when you were talking about <laughs> somebody who beat you, it was just an unnamed opponent. I think it was
1: only because I had name-dropped the person who beat me like four times already.
0: Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. And if you were to name-drop everybody who's beaten you, we just don't have that kind we of time. We don't
1: have that kind of time.
0: Uh, without further ado, let's get into the number one battle. This is from New York City. This is Dan Wicks versus Lou Miziano. Let's check it out. All right, so uh, Lou dropped out of Penn State because he was disgusted by Jerry Sandusky getting fired. (laughs)
2: Dan has Tourette's and loves Nirvana, which is why I call him Blurt Cobain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have Tourette's, but usually when Lou's battling a shaking person, he's shoving a woman in his trunk. (laughs) Dan, you nerdy fucking
2: nobody. Dan looks like he's apologized to an anime girl body pillow for raising his
0: voice. All right, I'm mean, gonna I need you guys to laugh a little harder for Lou because if I beat him by too much, his dad's gonna buy the club and shut it down.
2: <laughs> Finally, Dan, you are disfigured, disabled, and decrepit. I would compare you to an aborted fetus, but people actually want those.
0: Lou goes on a crazy amount of Tinder dates. Yes. He only swipes left when slitting her throat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that was our number one battle of the week. And I got to tell you, when I watched it, I was so pleasantly surprised. Because after it happened, Lou, who, full disclosure, I'm friends with, we're yes. friends with. Yes. From our times out in LA. He texted me. And he said, "They hated me. It was the worst. They ripped up my headshot. <laughs> he, he told me that, and we saw it we saw it in the video. And then I, 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 I asked them, I said, "Did they boo you? Was it silence?" And he said it was everything. And it just goes to show sometimes when you're in the moment, you create the yeah. scenario in your head, and I've done it where you're like, it's awful. And then you go back and you watch it. And I watched it, and I'm like, "This is great. Yeah. He did great. Did they care for the antics? They did not. They did not.
1: And and I mean, it, it all depends on the battle. Like if you look at like Toby's battle earlier in the show, that's full antics. And it's not what Toby normally does, but it definitely worked. And it's banking on that risk and seeing that it's the right antics for the show. Yeah, And I think you know, those are antics that Lou used to do in LA all the time. And I think some of the reason why they worked in LA so well is they kind of parody some of the douchebags in LA. Sure. And I think that lends itself to that belly room feel a little bit. And he's playing the heel and people know him for that. But in New York, they don't know him for that. Uh, They don't necessarily vibe with the character. I think if he was to go back and battle again in New York, he's probably not going to do any of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. And playing the heel is a weird concept in roast battle. The idea of home and away teams. Yeah. Um, when they introduce you, if you're out of town and they're like, oh, this guy's the best guy from L.A. Yeah. And he's, I think immediately it puts a crowd bias against you. Now, it's not like a sport where you can go, if I'm playing basketball and I'm the road team. I could put the ball in the hoop, and the crowd cannot affect me. Right. They can wave their hands on free throws or whatever, but if I if I if I shoot the ball, it's still worth two points. Yeah. Right? If you are in a sport where it is determined by audience reaction. Having the crowd turn on you can be a death knell. And that's yeah. why when I asked Lou, because they do a ton of jokes in New York, I I said, did you have to sit in it the whole time? And he said, yeah. And then I watched the battle and I realized that he dug himself a hole, but his joke writing is strong enough. It dug it back out. That he was able to get out of the hole. Yeah. And in his mind, he was still in it the entire time, but that was a sensational battle. They both had a lot of big hits across the board.
1: Yeah, and, and I do think that home team advantage is really interesting to talk about with roast battle because if you are like I've I've had the privilege to travel a lot with roast battle and it's hit or miss and it's because you know people want to root for their home person so like if somebody announces that like this is our guy versus some asshole from out of town there's gonna be a bias and in some of those cases you have to be phenomenal to overcome it yeah and I think to lose credit, he does dig himself out of that hole. That Make-A-Wish Foundation joke? Oh, incredible. Unparalleled. That's so fucking funny. And I think in this case, the the length of the battle, the amount of jokes they had to do because I think it was 13 total? Yeah, we,
0: we've edited it down. What you guys yeah. just saw was was definitely edited down. It um,
1: hurts both of them sure, in a way because it hurts Dan a little bit in that second round of jokes um, and at a certain point, there's only so many things you can hit. There's only so many topics you can hit and really write a stellar joke about yeah. it. And I would have loved to see this as a five joke, just straight through, heavy hitters only battle. Well,
0: to, to pull back the curtain, we just watched the full battle here, right. which is three rounds, yeah, thirteen total jokes. What you're describing a five joke battle? You're gonna say when the podcast that's, comes that's, Yeah, that's basically what they. That's saw. what we're cutting it down to, right? Um, and a, I, I think. The, the highs that they reached in this battle were exceptional. Great joke writing uh, across the board from both of them. Dan is a guy who's battled out here in L.A. I did want to touch on one quick thing before mm-hmm. we leave, and we kind of beat around the bush. But New York and L.A. have a very different style. And I could tell you from having battled in New York and that scene having existed for as long as it has. Yeah. Because some of these other scenes, we're just learning. Chicago, Austin. But New York always had this perception of the LA battle, battlers as not joke writers mm-hmm. and more theatrical and over the top. And they, yeah. they always kind of resented that. And I know when, when I went out there with Keith Carey and Alex Hooper, Keith and I got the respect because we were just doing jokes. And, and Alex is
1: theatrical. That's who, who he is.
0: traditionally more theatrical. He tried to tone it down, yeah. but the crowd decided immediately that they did not like him. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, I don't think it's a totally fair uh, way that L.A. has been pigeonholed by New York, but certainly Lou fell into that trap.
1: Yeah, Lou definitely fell into that trap. I also think there's a difference even in the joke writing between L.A. and New York, and not in a way that one is better than the other, but I think that L.A. really thrives on short jokes, like... Nailing, like we've seen a couple of people take risks in this show of longer jokes, multiple punchlines, but most of the time in LA, it's quick. It's you look like X, you look like an above ground pool. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's those fast hits, and I think in part, some of that comes from LA being so close to the TV show for a long time. Because the TV show in the industry is always cutting for the sound bite. What's gonna make the commercial for the TV show? It's you look like an above-ground pool, not you are this and therefore this and that. That's too long for a commercial. So your LA people are gonna hit fast and hard, as short as they can. Whereas in New York, they are really gonna take the time. They have a history of kind of more Friars Club roasts where you have more time. You can expand those jokes a little bit more. And so it makes for a longer show, more jokes and longer jokes, but some of those jokes are crafted extremely well. And so I don't necessarily think there's merit to one over the other. I just think it's a very interesting difference to observe between the two.
0: Uh I, I agree. I one thing I don't do on this show is try to, you know, be funny. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not we're not going for jokes here, we're breaking it down. But if nobody has told Dan that he looks and sounds exactly like the dude from Wedding Crashers. Oh, re- the one with the
1: painting? Yeah, I made it's you. Sexual a painting. and violent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I,
0: it was I, a gift. He has the same haircut and everything. And
1: the eyes and the like the he hunch. He's got the hunch. Yeah,
0: Yeah. sort of. I know. It was a a great, uh, I actually think it was a great styles make fights, and I think that these two guys worked really well together. Yeah. That's why they were the number one battle of the week. Um, We now have Chicago at the top of the leaderboard, along with New York. Got to tell you, another week we're doing this show, another week we don't have L.A. at the top. We have to step our game up.
1: I mean, that that's fair. I haven't battled in a while. Maybe I got to come back.
0: You have to come back just <laughs> so we can be number one. one sure, sure. Weeks. Shout out to the drag queens. They did great. But uh, nothing could compare this week to Dan versus Lou. Congratulations to them for being the number one battle. And, and Paige, thank you so much for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Um you are, in my opinion, one of the, the greatest ambassadors for the sport. Thank you. You are one of the, uh, when we came back from COVID, you have had nothing but dynamite battles. And you have traveled. You've been all over. Yeah. Uh, you, you battled uh, in Austin. You're going to be battling, I believe, in a few months uh, up in the Bay Area, yep. at your hometown. So no matter what RBL city you're in, keep an eye out for Paige Wesley. She's probably going to be there and probably going to be kicking ass. Yeah, Tokyo and
1: better. London, 2023.
0: I'm coming for you. I love it. Yeah. She'll fuck you guys up. Tokyo, it's <laughs> Godzilla, part two. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week on RBL Weekly. All right.